0: We're still dealing with embracing, encouraging, and caring deeply for one another. And uh, that's a skill set you just have to practice over and over.
1: Today we're going to talk to ACC President Dr. Robert J. Exley about construction on campus and its nearing completion. He's also going to speak about articulation agreements and college and career pathways. Welcome, Dr. Exley. Thank you. Okay, so, you know, we finally have green grass in the center of the courtyard. So, I mean, it looks like construction's finished, but you tell me. I mean, are we finally here at the end of the road with construction or not?
0: We're at that point where if you were purchasing a house, you would be doing the walkthrough. The first walkthrough where you put tape on all the walls and all the bad places. And the the appraisal. uh, And then when we look at where we're at now. The courtyard is 95% done. Mm-hmm. We still have a challenge in trying to, to finish up things. For example, there are four light poles that are still missing. We're mm-hmm. trying to get in so we can get them up. Overall, the e-building is 90% complete. The one part that uh, is yet to be done and, and it was not on the original plan was to take that old production kitchen and turn it into a, a different catering Mm -hmm. kitchen type things we have successfully got board approval and put the order in for new furniture hopefully that whole building there the e-building the student center will have new furniture by june Mm -hmm. at the end of june at the very latest i hope fingers crossed okay right there's parking lot out back that uh, once we sort out exactly where we are and how much money we have left to spend because we will have some money left we stopped projects simply because we wanted to make sure we had some money left Mm We got to do the parking lot that's back there by the art building, okay. and do it overall. I would say the the other major challenge we face is just going through every single building and working with all the controllers on HVAC. HVAC is always a challenge. Anytime mm-hmm. you put new controllers in and the computerized stuff and the new ductwork, it just takes a, a while. To especially get with
1: summer on the horizon, yep. and that's that's our biggest time of or biggest challenge usually on yep. campuses. So I think
0: overall we're doing great. Uh, we still have plans to purchase some instructional classroom furniture and equipment. One thing, John, that I think is is really fascinating is as we move forward and we try to look at the facility needs, Mm -hmm. we've done a lot of work, but there's so much more that I think remain as a challenge for us. I just wanted to give kudos to all of our folks who've worked hard, maintenance, grounds, custodians, the faculty, everyone else has put up with the, the headache of construction mm-hmm. and seen the benefits and kind of have a commitment on our part to, to always involve our folks deeply so they know that their voice matters. For example, as we move forward and we want to move into more of a, what's called a, a high flex teaching strategy, it's the faculty members and the deans and Kelly and IT and the instructional folks like uh, Dr. Huff who get down. And really look in detail, what kind of technology do we need in this classroom? Mm -hmm. And the next step is, how do we train folks to use it effectively? So I think as we move forward, you'll see a bigger emphasis on finding an excellent person to come in and help design comprehensive training and development for all of our employees.
1: All right. Well, sounds great. I know I'm I'm looking forward to it, because I'm sure you are, too, (laughs) having come on campus. And it looks a lot better it probably was when you first started here about... A year ago, nearly.
0: Yeah, quite a bit. And you know, it's nice. It'll be nice to to not have this always impinging upon the other very, very important work we try to do. For example, the Pathways Conference and Institute we just had here in Houston, fortunately, so we were able to have a number of folks from the college there. And uh, the Institute is done by the the Texas Success Center, and they fund the whole thing for up to I think seven individuals from the college. That includes. Lodging and the whole bit, so.
1: Well, briefly, I mean, explain what college pathways are.
0: Well, you know, the, the thing that's fascinating uh, when I look at what we've done here in Texas is we, we've tried to take a realistic approach and say if, if, if you're not sure exactly where you want to go, but you're interested in a field like the health careers. Mm-hmm. What are the opportunities for jobs and health careers? And what level of education do I need for that? And how does that trickle all the way back down in my science and my math to middle school? Mm-hmm. And so you take the eight different pathways, one of which would be liberal arts, another which is STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. Right. You look at those eight pathways. <laughs> Florida called those things meta-majors. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the things that I think is a big benefit for that, it, it really gets lots of information to our dual enrollment students and our current students. Our goal is, pillar one, to help our students decide where do I want to go? What is Mm -hmm. my future? What do I want to look at? The second is to get you here and enrolled in the right courses and the right classes. And the third pillar is to make sure that you finish your program of study and you graduate and then the fourth one is we want to make sure that you're successful whether you transfer or go to the world of work. So looking at those four pillars and what do we have to do to help students along the way to give them all the information they need and help
1: them learn to make good choices. Well, and it's also good for students who even who think they have something specific in mind. I mean, if they, when somebody comes in and says, like, you know, I want to be an engineer, Lots of students change their minds, you know, especially. So, I mean, the pathways to me are good because just in case they want to deviate.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I know that at one point many people think, oh, I'll go to medical school. Mm-hmm. And as they get further and further into the more demanding and higher higher levels of the math and the sciences, sometimes they say, well, you know, maybe <laughs> medical school is not quite what I want to do. I'll be a psychologist mm-hmm. rather than a
1: psychiatrist. Right. Uh, or a therapist. and so it's. Or, it's they t- or they take their first organic chemistry class.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. You didn't have trouble with organic chemistry, did you? I never took organic chemistry. Oh, I struggled man. with basic chemistry, and <laughs> then I thought I realized,
1: okay, that's not my path. So, you know, yeah. I switched paths.
0: So. Uh, I think the hardest chemistry course I ever took was cellular biochemistry.
1: See, it just sound. I don't even know what some of that stuff is in the word. So well, I can just only imagine the classes.
0: Imagine this, the, the, the test questions were essay questions in a huh. chemistry class.
1: Yeah, No <laughs> thanks. Okay, well, so this Pathways Institute, how does it help us with implementing these pathways here at the
0: college? I think the core thing it does is each college has a data coach, and you bring in all of the data that you're gathering with all the other colleges, and you look at key metrics did we get those students successfully to complete 15 credit hours the fall term, 30 mm-hmm. credit hours by the end of the first term? Did we retain them first year to second year, first semester to second semester? And you look at that and you disaggregate it by all different ways of looking at it by gender. You look at it by race and you try to identify within each pathway, are there what's called equity gaps mm-hmm. where this group is not performing as well as that group. And and what we found in a lot of the, the research and The conversations from the presenters has been many times you just focus on building relationships and mentoring and caring about your students.
1: That helps you overcome those barriers. Developing a sort of trust so they know that they can come to you if they have an issue. Because I know that's one of the biggest obstacles to retention is working with them and getting them to communicate with you. And
0: And that's so true. We had a phenomenal keynoter who spoke about his research on what defines a mentor. And what it really comes down to is it's a very personal, lifelong relationship for true mentors. And it's someone that can open a door for someone else to step through and you maintain that relationship. Well, we do a lot of advising relationships, but very few true mentorships. You know, we have faculty mentors who we've trained in, in the importance of mentoring. We have those coaches, pathway coaches. And that was interesting, coaching is, really beyond just how do I pick courses. Mm-hmm. It really is how do I manage my life and my time. The big discussion with all of our Texas colleges has been where do we find the resources for what are called wraparound services mm-hmm. so that we can help students find childcare, We can help students find transportation. We can help students find a way to feed their families while they go to school. The biggest stress are single parents. Mm-hmm. Or just parents, period, the pandemic has put tremendous stress on. So we're still dealing with embracing, encouraging, and caring deeply for one another. And okay. uh, that's a skill set you just have to practice over and over.
1: We just had two articulation agreements that we've signed recently. We have many articulation agreements, <laughs> but you know we signed one with University of Houston, Victoria, which I'm a proud alum. I went through, actually. Uh, and then I think we just recently had another one with uh, Houston Baptist University. We don't have to get into too much details about what these two specific agreements, but can you tell me what articulation agreements mean and kind of what they mean to students, especially those looking to transfer to those universities?
0: Certainly. When when I think of the word articulation agreement, it really boils down to we partner with a four-year institution, Mm -hmm. and we go through all of our credits, programs of study, different courses and sit down with them and their faculty, and it's usually not the president. A lot of times it's a chief academic officer, which mm-hmm. would be our VP of instruction, and the deans. And they say, for your English class here, that'll count for this English class here, to mm-hmm. make sure that those articulation agreements give as much credit as possible, not just to transfer, but to apply to the bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Many universities without articulation agreements said, sure, your credit's transfer, but when you get there, they say, oh, you got these credits, but you still got to take the A, B, C, and right. D. We really want our students to feel confident when they go to UH Victoria or they go to Houston Baptist or University of Houston Clear Lake. They know their credits here count Mm -hmm. towards their bachelor's degree, not just towards their associates.
1: Well, thank you for coming in today. I appreciate you taking the time.
0: You bet. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Thanks for listening. I'm John Tompkins. To read these stories and more, visit allencollege.edu.